At Huntington, we've been asking ourselves, can we make saving money any easier? And we think we've solved it. Introducing Money Scout. It analyzes your spending habits, income, and expenses to find money not being used in your checking account, then pushes it to savings automatically. Why would a bank do that? Just to help people thrive. That's how we reinvent banking. Huntington, welcome. Subject to eligibility, terms, conditions, and account agreements. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com slash MoneyScout. There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. He put a dog collar on and was made to lick the urinal. Someone say welcome. That's good. And with that, welcome to this week's episode of Talk Murder to Me. Oh yeah, that's really good. Thank you. This week, our hint is bite. So, we made a drink uh, called the Shark Bite, which is rum, blue, caraco, curacao. curacao. I never knew how to pronounce that. Uh, well, I'm just guessing. Um, sour mix, and then you take a little eyedropper of grenadine and make it look like some blood coming in the surface of the water. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're off to a... A fun start this morning. Yeah, and it's funny that you selected this drink because a couple of friends back home who I know I'm not allowed to name, one of them is deathly afraid of sharks, and so I was teasing her about the fact that we chose this drink. But, like, I think it's overkill now because now I'm just getting one-word answers from both of them, so... Well, it's a great drink, but the episode has absolutely nothing to do with sharks. So. All right. Well, it's it's it looks like blood in the water, so. Yeah. Um, mm. Our water. I think yeah. I know what it's about. Okay. All right. We're already starting with our guesses. Go ahead, okay. Jen. It's a vampire story. That's a really good guess. I think it's a cannibal story. Okay. How did we get jumping into this already? We're just excited. This is We don't do day episodes often. Yeah. And... Um, and I don't so get we're like weekends off up often. and at them, yeah. ready to get after it today. Yeah. Surprise shots, surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Bum, bum. Bum, bum. Yes, I picked up the surprise shot today. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Sunday, fun day. Another Pleasant Valley Sunday. Oh, that's great. Oh my gosh, I need that in my life. That is great. It reminds me of Christmas. Oh my god, I could drink that. Alone. Can we get some of that yeah. at the table, please? I could drink this. Do you want to take a guess? Oh my god, that's really good. Um, cinnamon schnapps. I don't know. Come on, it, It's like an apple pie or something. So it is Captain Morgan's Jack O'Blast Pumpkin yummy. Spice Rum. Is that the nip? What, this is is, what, there's one left, so we can share it if we want. Um, so yeah, so I uh, just a little pumpkin spice might be nice. 
It's the end of August. That means fall is coming. Fall's my favorite season, even though my birthday's in August. Um, I mean, I, you know, fall kind of makes me sad because I, I feel like fall just reminds me of going back to school. And, like, I hate, like, the sun... Now we're recording on Sunday. I hate, like, the Sunday blues. I feel like the fall, like, I get the sun... Like, it's, like, just reminds me of the Sunday blues going back to school. You're going back to school? That's just what it reminds me of. But I I thought you liked school. I was good at school, but, I mean, I didn't necessarily like it. I like the fall because, kind of for opposite reasons, I feel like it's chill. Like, on the weekends, you go to, like, pumpkin patches and apple picking and... And it's nice and cool. It's we like do it's like the all perfect of those things again. Yes, this, this year. Except we didn't do that last year, so we, we did carving. Do... We at least did oh, our yeah, carving. That was fun. We'll have yeah. to do that again. This time I'm I made Pikachu. It was pretty terrible. So we have a Patreon page, and instead of selling you socks or credit score apps, we're going to sell you <laughs> our exclusive content for Patreon, which right now. We have our first episode up. is a 50-minute episode, and you want to tell them what that's about? Um, that was actually a super funny episode. It yeah, that was, was a really good episode. The guy who basically like, wouldn't die until yeah. he did, but I mean... the um, His name is Michael Malloy, and he has a very interesting story, and you can tell that story at bars. It's a great bar story, mm-hmm. and it's true. I'm sure by the time this episode is released, we'll have some more content up there. We are committing to yeah. get... Um, a, a, a Patreon only episode out once a week. Every Wednesday, I've uh, decided that. Oh, so for now on, we're going to release the main episode on Tuesday, and then Patreon will get an episode on Wednesday. Okay. All right. So. All right. We got a lot to do. We do have some even more reviews to shout out today. Um, gosh, people are really responding well to this um, contest that we have, John. That. You'll that I'll get fifty by the first, which so, is this week. Which is this week. I've got I've got five days to get seven more reviews. Yeah. If I if she gets fifty, you got two dollars so far. I will read Harry Potter book number three since I've already read the first one too. Yep. And I'll summarize it for you guys, and hopefully we won't lose our subscribers because it's Harry fucking Potter and who gives a shit. Um, Everyone. First of all. They about wizards. Down, before I read the reviews, they're actually going to have the movies again in theaters for an anniversary. I saw that. <gasps> oh my god, I will be marathon go. it. Two, they always have movie marathons of all the Harry Potters around Christmas time. Uh-huh. And so I would really love it if you got through the whole series I, by then so we can all watch the movies at Christmas time. Yeah, we need it's to like have a holiday movie day. I, I like J.K. Rowling. She has an amazing story. She came from nothing. She is in she the book that I'm reading, 29 Difficult Women. Very amazing writer. She is a hero. She and is. she deserves every penny that she's worth. Absolutely. But I... I I'm not a fiction reader. I read nonfiction. You know, that's true. I know. So anyway, Jason Horton writes dark, but not too dark. I love the dark subject matter, but enjoy that it's delivered in a somewhat light and entertaining way. Calico writes great podcast with a twist. Recently started listening to the show and enjoyed it so much. I subscribed and went back to listen to older shows. Can't wait for each new episode. Give it a listen. Underscore JDZ writes great mix of true crime and comedy. I have loved a lot of true crime podcasts, though sometimes they can get a little too graphic and real for me. This 
this one is the perfect balance, keeping it light with cocktail recipes and friendly banter and keeping it real with their stories. The crew at Talk Murder to Me has found an excellent podcast formula. Thank you. Maynard Dixon writes, very interesting, great lesson. This is a funny and factual at the same, this is funny and factual at the same time. The interplay between hosts is very entertaining. Excellent. Shelly Ann, 1817. That's my genie little. Okay, I was going to ask somebody, I was like, this has got to be somebody that we know. Going to die laughing. That is punny. I like yeah. it. Mm-hmm. This podcast is so entertaining. This crew has such a fantastic rapport with each other and makes each story so fun. I typically have no interest in the top topic of murder, but the storytelling and commentary have made it so interesting for me. I've listened while working and while driving, and it makes the time fly by. Can't wait to see what more is in store. And last but not least, LC Far IX writes hilarious. Love the podcast. John, Nicole, and Jen make true crime really interesting. Thank you. I wow. can't believe we got a shout out in one of those. I know. Like that's actually that's us, Jen. Yeah. We're funny. Or L- if I can delete that one. LC Fair. Hey guys, if you'd like to see your own name, go to talkmur.com. I'm putting all the reviews on there. And name? the best ones get shouted out on the podcast. Jen, I want to tell you. What? All right, so the other day, Jen, I think it was on the Patreon episode, you'll hear Jen say, I don't know how much more I can take of these gruesome episodes. So I listened to her. It was in the, the yeah. eye of the beholder. Because that last episode, the one, the no, 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 Evil no, Brothers, brothers Evil Brothers, evil brothers is a very yeah. brutal episode. Okay. Yet to be released. So Jen was very disturbed by that, so she mentioned that, and I took that into consideration. And I found an episode... A story that's is not really gruesome. I was gonna say it's incredible. It's like the no, most gruesome no, episode we've it's ever not. Done. I don't mind. I just I don't mind them every once in a while, but when it's like week after week, yeah. It's like, ugh. So I thought about that. Sometimes too, it's hard because we're females, and if you hear about like rape, and yeah. sexual yeah. assault, like that's for females that can be like a yeah. lot to hear. So I thought about that. I took that in consideration, and then you know I was researching the story, and it, it what it's gonna be a great story um but unfortunately i got sidetracked and found another story <laughs> that is fucking 10 times as worse and we're doing that one tonight <laughs> so, all right so, so the listeners other story just, will be for thursday's <laughs> yeah. it, no i think we need to get our listeners something that's not like should i make another oh story? yes <laughs> yes you should make some shots jen i all right when i pick this story match thank you all right, so listeners, just so you know, the following episode is going to be gruesome. We don't know why. I'm assuming it's something to do with necrophilia. But um, just if you have a queasy stomach, just beware. I'm not telling you to turn it off because we all know you guys like to listen to us. So, Future John, cut all that and then make the audience surprised. No. I got constructive feedback saying that they would like a warning. Okay, Jen's going to... So every time it's gruesome, I'm going to start telling Jen it's gruesome, and then she's going to do a warning. So can you do a, a real warning for us? Yeah. Hey, guys, it's Jen. Just wanted to give you a heads up that this content in the contain... I need a script for this. Jen, I'm not even going to put this in there. You might as well quit. I like the surprises. All right, let me start the story. Okay. All right. Necrophilia. No, not necrophilia. Cannibalism. Vampirism. Jen, I've already. Wait, do we did we pick our states yet? No. All right, tell me. In our years. Okay. Utah, nineteen eighty-seven. <gasps> did I pick Utah last time? I can't remember. No, you picked um, 
Oh, did you? Idaho. I picked the Idaho, I think. I picked, like, a real uh, I could pick a different one. No, no, no. I'm just... Yeah, Louisiana. Just Louisiana, 1987. Oh, I get what you're doing there. True Blood? No. All right. Well, you never seen... Oh, it's such a good show. We should watch True Blood that together. That is a great show. Oh, let's watch it today. Because it's, um, it's vampires and it was Louisiana. on Showtime. I think it's on... Sh- no, HBO. HBO. I have or HBO Showtime. Go. Yeah, I think HBO. It oh, may be on Showtime. Let's watch it after. Can we watch we something should. after? We should have some sort of movie marathon after if we ever get through the podcast. It's really good. And about Velveeta for after. Anyway, I'm going to go Doesn't with... Doesn't mean you have to be mad at me. 1994... I was gonna say Nebraska, but you picked Nebraska recently. Two, two episodes in a row. Two episodes. I'm gonna in go a row. with um, Missouri. No, that's the one you picked last time. I did, didn't I? Oh well, but it wasn't that Missouri wasn't it. So I'm gonna go with Missouri again. All right. I want you to remember something. Okay. For the rest of your life. All right. I want you to remember the number four seventeen. And I'm going to ask you what the number is at the end of the podcast. Jen, what room number was that? 417. Okay. December 2nd, 1979. Oh. Firefighters were called to the Travel Inn Motor Lodge. It's now called the Travel Inn Hotel in New York. Another 40, New York motor? On 42nd motor? Street. Yeah. We're, going, we're going New York and New Jersey. We're going to go... So tell us about the, that location, because I'm not really familiar. Bruce Springsteen, Empire State Building, <sighs> World Trade said. Center. Oh, I do want to point out, the guy was born in the same town as that cake boss guy. I'll come back to that later. Anyway. Oh, so, I've oh, never been yeah. to Carlo's Bakery. You know, there's lines out the door every time you try to go. Yeah. All right, so room 417. Way. It's just two blocks away from Times Square. So can you tell us? I've never been there. Can you I've tell us about once. it? No. I've been there a couple times. So Times Square is the heart of New York City. You have that's where they have the location where the um, ball drops on New Year's Eve, and you literally have to like get there a week in advance, essentially, to get good space. But you can't give up your space because then you lose your space. Also, they have like the Disney Store, and you know the news channels have studios there, and in, and also the the Freedom Kiss, one of their sailor kisses the nurse. Mm. Um, but when you think New York. City, you think Broadway on Broadway. Um, you also think of the Touch concrete jungle right? where yep. dreams are made of, and you think of Times Square. Times Square is the heart of New York. It's also extremely crowded and an awful place to be. I was gonna say, so John would absolutely hate it. Okay, so December 2nd, 1979, two blocks away from Times Square, the Travel Inn Motor Lodge. Now it's called the Travel Inn Hotel on 42nd Street. That's the name of a Broadway show. Firefighters were dispatched to the hotel because there was a report of smoke. Heavy black smoke coming from a room. Hmm. Okay? So they go, and they go up to the room, and the firefighter, who I'm going to read a quote from, James Rogers. The firefighter, James Rogers, reached the door, and he opens... Room 417. Jim, what room number? 417. Nicole. 417. The firefighter, this is December 2nd, 1979, opens room 417. But he can barely open it because the handle, the door handle was so blazing hot. hot, Right? The fire's coming from inside. So he probably kicked it down. And this was a room with twin beds. 
So, you know, some rooms have king's beds. Yeah. yeah, so there are two beds. He busts in the door, barely see anything. He's all delirious from all the smoke, right? And obviously there's a fire. It looked like it started from the bed. And he sees two bodies laying on each bed, respectively. You know, mm-hmm. one body on one bed, the other on the other. You, that, you, okay. What? Did I not use the word respectively, right? No, I just thought two bodies on each bed, respectively, meaning two bodies on All right. So he busts down the door and sees two bodies, one on each bed. They're twin-sized beds. Here's a quote from firefighter James Rogers. I carried her out the door and put her down on the hall floor, is what he told the New York Daily. I was preparing to give her mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, which is standard procedure, when suddenly... I noticed there was no head. (gasps) (laughs) In fact... That's not going to (laughs) work. In fact, the firefighter then admits to the reporters... Now, he's he's been on the force for 15 years. He's seen all kinds of shit. He said, oh, these aren't even humans. These are mannequins. But then he realized they were charred human remains oh, with so no heads no they weren't mannequins they were they were humans. they were humans well, that's fucked up jan you may want to not look at this wow her her forearm is missing too yeah 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 so the firefighters noticed both hands of both victims there were two and their heads were completely off no heads whatsoever. These, and I'm putting the actual pictures. Wait, so there's two. There's two, two bodies. People. I'm putting the actual pictures on talkmurder.com. They're very graphic. Very graphic. Yeah, warning. There's so, two females. And Jen has one already seen on, them. One on its stomach and one on its back. And yeah, so, and they, oh. are, they are headless and they do look like somewhat like mannequins. Okay, let me get that away from you. This is the hotel. Oh, don't look at that picture. This is the hotel where they were found. And this is the thing. Hmm. Were they prostitutes? They were prostitutes. Mm. Jen, I'm surprised you got through that. I try, I was trying to tell you not to look. Hey, you know, I got to participate in this. Yeah. And I'm already kind of buzzed. So. I am waiting. So, guys, go to talkmore.com. You've got to see these photos. They're very graphic, though. Very graphic. They're headless bodies. The firefighter was... The firefighter, after the fact, had to go through months, probably years, of psychological counseling. If you if you see that now, you'll just put it as like any other horror movie you see. But the, imagine being the firefighter, walking in there. Because the, the, imagine the smoke is so black, all you see is a body. You grab the body because you can't see anything else. You just know it's a body, a silhouette. Yeah. You pull it outside in the hall. And you're like, okay, don't worry. Like, I'm, you're you know, to, like, save yeah, it's like, don't worry. I'm here. I'm firefighter. Take your helmet off. Give her CPR. And there's no head. Where's and the then head? you bring the other one out. And it's the same thing. Where's the head? Where's the head? I'd like to read you something. That's what she said. That, Jen, would you say? <laughs> That's what she said. Jen, <laughs> I want to read you something. This is from the book I'm reading called Sons of Cain. It's a really good book. I'll link to it on the website. It's by Peter That's Vronsky. That's how we got so gruesome here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is... Thanks, Peter Vronsky, for your gruesomeness. Two gruesome murders. Yeah. 
As I approached the hotel that Sunday morning at daybreak, I thought I had a pretty good idea as to what I might be getting into. I had been to New York many times before on movie and documentary projects and shot all sorts of edgy things. Sometimes I stayed in one of the Fleabag hotels around Times Square. So I want to point out Times Square in 1979 was a cesspool of hookers, prostitutes, well, it's the same thing, I guess, Strippers, strip shows, sex shops. That, I mean, there was no real business in Times Square. It was Squares. seedy. Yes. Hmm. But this time was the first time I've ever wandered off the map as far as the 10th Avenue into the adjoining neighborhood that, since the 1880s, has been called Hell's Kitchen. As I waited in the small lobby for the elevator, it seemed to be stopped forever on the upper floor. It was annoying. I was young and impatient. When the elevator finally came down and the door slid open, I took an extra hard look at the jerk-off who had kept me waiting for what seemed like ages. Although probably it wasn't longer than a minute. He looked like, well, like anyone, anybody. Ordinary, just another white guy in his early 30s. The only odd thing about him was that despite the cold he had, a sheen of feverish perspiration on his forehead. As he got off the elevator, he walked into me as if I was not there, walked through me, bonking me on the knee and shin with a soft-sided bag that felt as if it had bowling balls in it, rounded hard and heavy. He didn't say anything, apologize, or even give me a glance back. He looked so ordinary that if I had been asked to describe him for a police composite sketch, I could not have. But as he annoyed me, I did give him enough of a look to later recognize him if I saw him again, even if I couldn't describe him from scratch. My last glimpse of him was inside the elevator as the door closed me. His back was turned to me, and he was strolling calmly towards the door to the street with his bad bag dangling by his side. It was an entirely random encounter with a monster who had brutally bound, gagged, raped, tortured, and killed two street prostitutes in his room upstairs, sawed off their heads and hands, and stuffed their severed body parts in a bag. As I was approaching the lobby of the hotel, he laid their headless torsos in the pools of thickening blood on the mattress, soaked them in lighter fluid, and set it all on fire. He then left with his bag of body parts and calmly took the elevator down as I was impatiently waiting and fuming in the the lobby below of course i didn't know any of that at the time my god so he got hit in the he yes. got hit by the bag with the yeah. heads and hands in there yeah it's a great book he's uh he's actually encountered multiple serial killers and he makes a good argument how does he like fucking encounter all these people well he makes a really good argument in the book that he's not special in fact most of us encounter serial killers like people oh, who we just don't know. If he wasn't, <laughs> if he wasn't in the forensics field that he was in, he would have never knew that that was the guy. I mean, that guy probably bumped into thirty people that day. You yeah, know what I'm that's saying? True. So, whoa. Do you think there are a lot of serial killers here in Charleston, South Carolina? Or are they more in like bigger, more populated cities? Maybe they move to Charleston when they need to get out of the situation that they are in because 50 plus people move to Charleston per day. Do you guys want me to put names to those decapitated bodies? Of course. Anne and Margaret. They're humans. Okay, one of them. 
Hannah. There were two. There were two. Mary. No, you would never guess. Listen, there were two. A Kuwaiti immigrant. Penelope. Oh. Kuwaiti immigrant, 23 years old. Beautiful, beautiful dark hair. I'll show you a picture of her head when it was still on her body. Very beautiful. Kuwaiti, you know, Middle Eastern, kind of darkish skin. Yes, I'm positive. Okay, she had high cheekbones, dark hair. Also, she had a four-month-old infant son. Yeah. Do you hear me, Jen? To a four-month-old son. Infant son. Okay, so the other one was Jane Doe. Jane Doe being, no, as no, of today, no one can still you. identify her body or I her person. I wasn't in love with it. Um, Sweet. The girl, the Kuwaiti... Coconut water. Oh, my God. Are you the guys Kuwaiti eating? woman. The Kuwaiti woman was named Dita Godarsi. She just arrived... All right, so if you arrived to Times Square, New York, during this time as a woman with little means, you just come for the excitement, trying to make a new life, you most likely get picked up by a pimp, right? You get picked up by a pimp, you start working in the streets. That's how it works. She was trying to provide money for her four-month-old son. She was a single mother. 23 years old she goes in with another prostitute which still has not been named in fact the 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 wanted poster or the information poster police put out could only put out a mannequin dressed in her specific clothes they were trying to get someone to recognize the clothes she was wearing they didn't know who she was they didn't know who she was and they still don't know who she is and i'll put the pictures online this is dita god's god arcy a kuwaiti woman 23 years old. She's beautiful. And this is Jane Doe. You see us dressed in a mannequin? Mm-hmm. They put her clothing, her boots. That's and this sad. is the actual wanted poster right here. That makes me sad that they couldn't identify her. Like, she had nothing on her. Like, Dita had... Did she have... Did, did Was her... I don't understand. They identified her from, I think, a, a couple of scars on her back or something. Okay, so... Hmm. Um, that's just that's just so sad. Four days go by. So the guy that they trusted, I mean, because think about it. If you go with a partner, a fellow prostitute, it's less, I, I would feel like it's less sketchy for you because there's someone else there. Maybe two of you can overpower them because prostitutes get raped and killed all the time. That's part of the job. Yeah. Well, well. You know, it's not part of the job. It just happened. I mean, they had to know that. That's yeah, yeah. So his name was Carl Wilson of Merlin, New Jersey, which is not his real name. That's his alias. The guy that they went into the hotel with. Carl Rogers. Carl Wilson of Merlin, New Jersey. A do not disturb little doorknob thing was on the room, and no one in the adjacent rooms could know anything else they didn't hear anything there were no screams no blood curling screams so he killed them before he decapitated them we don't know that for sure well i but that that like you probably would it make more sense if they weren't screaming he did spend four days with them now we're going to talk about this four days yeah four days in the hotel room with them no no one saw anything and he's out the door, and he could not be identified. My bet is that he only spent, like, two hours with them before he killed them. There's no way that they would have stayed there with him for four days if they felt unsafe. And now you're doing a mustache. Mm-hmm. 
No prostitute would stay for four days, Jen. No. They were I mean, they were gagged, raped, and tortured that. as soon as they walked in the door. That's what I just said. Let me tell you about Nancy Shiava Vogel, 29 years old. She was married for nine years to Henry. She was a great woman. She was not a prostitute. They lived in Little Ferry, New Jersey. Now, she lived in the same city. It was Friday night. It was October 27th, 1967. Friday night. Who, who was uh, talking about, Jen? Insane. No, what's the girl's name I just said? Dita. No, not Dita. Nancy Shiava Vogel. 29 years old. Russian? Vogel. No, Vogel. She was married nine years to a guy named Henry. It was Friday night, October 27th, 1967. So we're going back in time a little bit. Right. I wish I could time travel. All right, she was planning, just as the routine for her was every Friday night, she goes to her local church, the St. Margaret Roman Catholic Church, and she plays bingo with her friends. Bingo! I love bingo. Let's dress up like old ladies and go to a bingo hall. (laughs) Do we have to dress up in order to go? Can they just, like, I mean, that's, like, age discrimination. It'll just be more fun if we dress up. Oh, okay. Okay. okay, anyway. Uh, all right, so she goes to play bingo. Blanche. She, she goes to play bingo. But she didn't come home when all the other old ladies came home. Well, she's not old. She's 29. But she didn't come home. No, she's yeah, not no. old. <laughs> oh, damn, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, Henry called the cops. Henry VIII? Because... His name is Henry. Henry called the cops because her wife or his wife wasn't home yet. And it's getting late. Okay, she didn't show up for a few days. Now, this isn't like her. She's a mother. She has two children. Where is Nancy? She was last seen in her 1960 four-door Rambler. You guys know what a four-door Rambler is? Is it like a Jeep? Oh, not at all like a Jeep. I like that. It looks like one of the cars I want for when I get married. I want the car that Meghan Markle and Harry drove Oh, the Jaguar? That was cool. All right, anyway. Like, convertible? Hell yeah. Okay, that night was October 27, 1967. Now a few days have gone by, and Henry knows something is going awry. Okay, she was found inside of her own car. In fact, two 12-year-old girls from the Catholic school found her. They looked down at their, out their apartment window and saw what they thought was a mannequin. Oh, no. Sitting in the car. They walked down there, looked in the window. She had her head attached to her body. But her hands were tied and she was slumped over in her own car. She was just dead in her own car. That's sad. Um, Yeah. She was brutally, brutally raped, tortured. And I'm going to tell you. All right, let me go ahead and tell you the serial killer. His name is Richard Cottingham. You guys haven't heard of him. No one has. But he's also known as the New York Ripper. Hmm. Huh. He's also known as the torso killer. Huh. He's a very depraved individual that's still sitting in prison now. Good. And he Not, like he's alive. Yeah, he's still, still alive. Wow. And I'm gonna show you some testimony or some actual interview from him. So this was nineteen sixty seven yeah. to seventy nine. Yeah. So old now. Now let me tell you a little bit about his background. Can I ask you a question? 
Yes. What does, if he's a ripper and a torso killer, what does biting have to do with it? Jen, if you would let me continue with the story, then... My apologies. November 25th, 1946 was when Richard Cottingham was born. He graduated high school in 1964, but he... And not that anyone cared at the time, but... You can see signs of sure psychopathy in him, if you were to really look. Now, he liked to spend most of his time alone, right? Which is one of the signs of a future psychopath. And he would... It's also a sign of an introvert. Yeah. And he was he was not disliked, but he did move to another school, and he was kind of bullied a little bit, but it wasn't really traumatic. But his his peer group did refer to him as being a little off. Well, I mean, when you move to a new school, you're, you're, you're going to most likely, like, well, yeah, especially if you're off, you're probably going to get bullied. Like, n- new kids, some new kids don't adjust well. Some do, but some don't. I'm not endorsing bullying by any means, but it happens. Yeah. And it's a problem, but it happens. So he was a pretty normal kid growing up. Um, But, and he admits this as well, he knew from an early age that he was going to be a serial killer. Oh, I'm sorry. What? Yeah, he knew from an early age that he was going to be. When I grow up, I'm going to be an astronaut. Because he he developed. I'm going to be a serial killer. He developed certain paraphilias. One of those was he loved, 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 loved large, voluptuous breasts. (laughs) Of a woman, but not just. That's oh my God! You got though, yeah. no. It yeah. it is because every guy loves breasts, but yeah. he loved them as things. He wanted them in like a little box. The chicken cutlets. Yeah, like chicken cutlets. He wanted breasts <laughs> like chicken cutlets. He could just like bounce around like basketballs. Well, you could go yeah. to the grocery store and buy some chicken cutlets. Yeah, but he wanted the female breast, big breast. He loved those things, but he didn't love them on the women' body. He loved them in a box. He, he would imagine them being in a box. Welcome to Jen and Nicole debate stuff. What are we debating? I don't know. What do you think is worse? Getting bit by a person or getting bit by a jellyfish? A jellyfish? But it's not a bite, it's a sting. Whatever. Same thing. As someone who just got stung by a jellyfish, it fucking hurts. And it makes your skin bubble. Bubble like. So there was no stranger that I wanted to pee on me, and because neither John nor I had to pee, so neither of us had our phones on us to look it up and see what we were supposed to do. And so we got home, and I was gonna go figure it out, and John went to Lowe's to go get ammonia, because that's what pee is made out of, but they didn't have like pure ammonia. So I. Vinegar, apparently, is good for stings and running it under hot as hot water as you can stand. All right, I'm back. I got my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. I got my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. Chili, baby back ribs, barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce. What was the last thing I talked about? The Krusty Krab pizza song. Jen, what was the last thing I talked about? Um, the serial killer, we were talking about serial killers bumping into people in real life. What was the room number, Jen? 417. He was strange. I mean, 
most of the stuff we talked about other than the job uh, at the time was stuff that he uh, he did after work, supposedly. You know, he talked about S&M clubs he'd go to. He talked about prostitutes. S&M, prostitutes, all right, common themes. Okay, so that was Dominique Volpe, Volpe one of his empl- – not employees, but one of his – Co-workers. Co-workers. So he started um, off, after high school, he went into the insurance company with his dad. His dad worked at MetLife. He, oh, this is the second episode in a row where we feature MetLife. Yeah, MetLife. Killing a lot of people. Metropolitan life. Let's fucking murder people. Fuck MetLife. Go to Geico. Because they got that fucking lizard. Richard Cottingham worked in the insurance agency for two years before moving to... A computer company. He was a computer engineer back when computers were like the size of fucking skyscrapers. Okay, so he was in a computer company. He was a very intelligent guy, as you'll see. Very smart. But his co-workers noticed one really odd thing. He liked to talk about his after-hours escapades. A lot of prostitutes. A lot of BDSM. You know, you don't talk about that at work. He would hang out at weird clubs. That'd be really weird. There were times where he would tell his friends that he would he would be okay. chained like a dog and what made to lick the urine urinal. Made to lick the urinal. But wait, Gross. what did he do for work? Like he was a computer engineer. Very smart guy. Wait, that's not one of the things on the list, is it? No. They he put a dog collar on and was made to lick the urinal. Ew. That's, That's how gross. he liked it. He liked to roll. Okay. That's... So, two years later, he moved from the insurance company to Blue Cross Blue Shield, where he was doing the computer work. And that's where he shared a desk with that Dominique Volpe, the guy I just played. Now, his shifts were 3 to 11 p.m., which gave him plenty of time after work and in the morning to do his thing. So, he was born actually in the Bronx. The Bronx. Yeah. Don't be fooled. Um, I was just going to sing it. I'm Jenny from the block. I still don't have a lot. But you don't know where I know where I came from. Southside Bronx. All right, let me tell you. All right, so let me tell you. This guy has estimated he was tried for six murders. But he claims it's up to 100. And I'm going to show Whoa. you his actual testimony. That's like the opposite of what usually happens. It's a lot of prostitutes. Okay. Oh, but oh, prostitutes? Here's his MO. And I'm not going to go through all the deaths, but here's what would happen. He was a he was a sexual sadist that enjoyed BDSM. Not enjoyed. So basically he would meet the girl at a bar. Mm-hmm. A prostitute slip some Roofie. roofies into her drink, Roofalette? drag her back to the hotel, and immediately that's where the nightmare would start. Now he wouldn't kill. There's actually, I think four, it's either four or five victims that did not die at all because he wasn't a serious. He wasn't actually a murderer by 
That that's not what he cared about. He cared. A, so the deaths were an accident, but were consequences of his sexual escapade. Yes. So that's you get convenient. you get if you go into the hotel with this guy immediately, he's going to tape your mouth so no one can hear you, and he's going to start a torture routine, which includes cutting your skin in multiple places around the torso, but not fatally, just enough to bleed. He's going to do stuff like gag you, forcefully put his penis down your throat. He's going to shove things in you. He's going to whip you. He's going to torture you. This is why I don't... And then when you get to a point where you're unconscious, he's going to throw cold water on you. This is why you're handcuffed to the bed. He's going to throw cold water on you to bring you back to... So you know that he is in control. That's the thing with this guy and these types of serial sadist killers is they want, they don't care about killing. They don't want you to die. They want you to know that they are in control the entire time and they're going to torture you and put you through absolute hell the entire torture session. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And like I said, it's the reason why I don't date. I'm afraid of that <laughs> happening to me. <laughs> Most people don't do that as part of their dating repertoire. Well, I haven't dated, so I don't know. There you go. Don't. That's not the norm. Well, what happens if the person that I go on a date with does that and I They're die? They're not going to tell you that one on the first date. Now he well, had a they, yeah. They don't tell you, and then and then they you you know they don't tell you any of that, and then the time comes, and then it just happens, and you're not expecting that. But like they would probably tell you before it happens. Forensic pathologist Dr. Louis Napolitano, he says the thing that's important: there were no penetrating wounds. There were no white. There were no knife wounds that penetrated into the body. They were all superficial. He's teasing them. I'm not doing anything to kill you right away. I'm not putting a knife to your chest and cutting or making you die right away. No. I want you to know that I'm here doing things to you. And then he says, he's doing things to make them afraid, to have them subjugate to him. I'm doing this to you, and I can make it worse. So you go in, these hookers, are not even hookers, just people he abducted, abducted. He isn't a normal serial killer. At Huntington, we've been asking ourselves, can we make saving money any easier? And we think we've solved it. Introducing Money Scout. It analyzes your spending habits, income, and expenses to find money not being used in your checking account, then pushes it to savings automatically. Why would a bank do that? Just to help people thrive. That's how we reinvent banking. Huntington, welcome. Subject to eligibility, terms, conditions, and account agreements. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com slash MoneyScout. There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. 
Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns, any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. He doesn't even care about killing. He cares about the process of torturing you for hours and hours and even days. Those prostitutes in the hotel before they got their heads severed off were probably alive for a couple days. Going through this horrific ordeal. Okay. Now let me tell you about his calling card because he's got a calling card. Hmm. Hmm. About 70% of serial sexual murders, which he was, will experiment at a crime scene and do something very, very different with one victim that they had not done with the others, such as cut out their eyes or cut the, their vaginas out oh, and so no. on. That's awful. Okay. So, that all right. We have the movie Sybil. So, let me tell you about his calling card Marianne Carr. Age 26, an x-ray technician. She was... How do you cut someone's vagina out? All right, this was a few weeks before Christmas, 1977, when 26-year-old x-ray technician Mary Carr, she went missing from her apartments at Ledgeview Terrace. Now, she lived with her husband, but her husband was away on a business trip, okay? Because her husband was actually a suspect at the time, but he had a solid alibi. He wasn't even in the same state. Okay, police came because she went missing. She was supposed to go to her stepmother's uh, stepmother's to meet her stepmother, and she didn't show up. Police came to the house. There did not appear to be there did not appear to be anything broken in the apartment, and we had no indication at all as to what happened. Said Lieutenant Alan Greco of Bergen County Sheriff's Department, in New Jersey. Police they did interview one person. They said they saw out there every mirror a guy that looked like her husband which a few years later they would come to realize had a remarkable remarkable resemblance to cottingham Cottingham, yeah so Mm. no one knows how he abducted her but it was probably in the parking lot he took her to a hotel the police when they found her a few days later she was found in the parking lot of the Quality Inn Motel. She was, do you know how, like, if you go in the back, there's, like, the curb, and then there's, like, chain-link fence? She was, like, shoved over there. Almost like if if you're going to throw your garbage out, but the dumpster's so overfilled that you have to just throw it by the chain-link fence, you know? And no, I usually hope. just put it next to the dumpster. Well, yeah, you know, but you hope no one will see it. She, her body was thrown over like that. That's awful. Literature marks on her wrists and ankles from handcuffs. She was covered in bruises on her arms and shoulders, breasts and thighs. The right side of her face was hemorrhaged because she was struck with a blunt object. Tape was still on her mouth. And he's got a calling card now, and all his future victims will bear his calling card. He, She had a savage... Well, she had savage bite marks on her breast Ah. that was his new calling card now he's telling police to fuck off because every victim they find from now on is going to have his signature bite mark i was going to say wouldn't you be able to like tell his dna like i mean nowadays yeah but in the crime scenes everyone that he's murdered those crime scenes were spotless spotless he would do all the fingerprints get all the fingerprints off they were spot- he was a very intelligent man, but he still put his bike mark in there as a signature. What did for- they like? Take a model of his teeth and try to match it, though. 
Well, yeah, if they caught him. That sounds aggressive. Like, I've heard of, like, nibbling. But, like... That's, like, biting, like, aggressively biting. That's not okay. You have to be gentle. Okay, he had a he had a I wife. You're not into being gentle. He though. had a what wife. Yeah, he had a wife and kids. Oh, he, oh no. He was married to Janet, and although they got a, or were scheduled to get a divorce, so during this time of him doing all this shit, he married Janet May third, nineteen seventy. All right, but he would get in trouble. With the law, he had drunk driving charges. Like, all these small charges are nothing compared to what he was doing, but didn't get caught for. He got arrested for shoplifting, arrested for robbery, assault, and sodomy. All these little charges. During the time that he was killing, supposedly, hundreds of prostitutes. Right? Good guy. Um, He was, like, begging to get caught. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, it was like a cry for help. Almost. No, it's not a cry for help. This guy is a genuine psychopath. Okay. This guy has no sympathy for his victims. All right. Whatever. Um, He's let me just t- doing all these different things. It's like he... It's like, I don't know. Go on. Like, I feel like if I were to do something to get attention like that, I would actually, like... Maybe sometimes people do that because they don't know how to ask for help, so they figure that's the way that people will see them, that they have a problem, and they'll get help that way. I don't know. That's just the way I think. The only picture of the killer is this photo, taken at the time of the murders. Richard Cottingham is now 63. He looks like Santa Claus. He does. He like Bruce. Oh, it's weird. Hi. How are you? How are you? Good, thank you. Babe, you're behind. I've been waiting for this moment for a while now. Are you are you happy to be here? Alright, let me tell you, this is the girl that's interviewing. Her name is Nadia Fazani. She has had multiple interviews with people, serial killers, including Paul Michael Kearney. Wow. She has letters, letters, communication from this guy alone. She has 20 personal letters. He sent her a birthday card, (gasps) signed it Richie. Nadia, would you like to be a special guest on our (gasps) podcast? She was, she, yeah, she's an amazing person. She went through a traumatic event when she was really young and in her mind, somehow she got addicted to figuring out why serial killers do the things they do and this guy has caused her so much emotional like you know not trauma but like just trying to understand how a guy could do this so she she's the only one to ever interview this guy wow this is the only interview that exists you need to get on this can we please get her as a as a special guest like no No, you're not i don't i'm doing this for you not Never happened? Never happened. Nadia Fedzani does not have much time and gets straight to the point. The prostitute I was caught with. Can you tell me why you cut off the breasts of one victim? To do something different. I mean, she was already dead. I mean, it wasn't something that she was alive. And I wanted to create a sensationalism. But I mean, you still have to have the balls to do this. I mean... It's not hard. It's just a body. 
I mean, it's not a uh, living person no more. Oh my gosh. How did you feel when you committed the crimes? No feeling. No feeling whatsoever? No. Nothing? Nothing. Wow. I forgot. Like it didn't happen. I could put myself into a zone to do something like that. And it would be like remote control. She has many questions she'd still like to ask. And her interview has been carefully prepared for the... Yeah, so I'll play some more of that later. All right. That's the guy. Did you hear that one time he said, she asked, how did you cut off the breast? One of his last victims, okay, they found her in a hotel room with her breast completely sawed off and displayed on the headboard. Almost like Jack the Ripper would display the organs of his victims. Wow. So He was the Ripper of New York. He was a Times Square Ripper, oh, yeah. Times Square Ripper. It's, it's fascinating, but also really disturbing and sad to hear these people talk sometimes. Yeah. Like he had no feeling about dismembering the bodies. On May 5th, 1980, Marianne Sanconelli, she was a housekeeper at the Quality Inn Motel in New Jersey. She was cleaning the room 132. She was vacuuming. When she noticed kind of a smell, she like was trying to push the vacuum under the bed. You know, it never, it never goes all the way under there. It's like it's stuck. You know what I'm saying? And then she kept hitting something, right? So the Here's object the that was under the bed, she pulled out, and it was the woman of 19-year-old Valerie Ann Street, mm-hmm. which was a pretty girl, that- slender waist and large perky breast, you know, she was handcuffed, twisted, her hands were twisted behind her. She was 5'4", 135 pounds, and she had been severely tortured. Like exactly me. She'd been, Street has been, so this girl was, build. she was severely tortured, handcuffs behind her back. There were, those handcuffs were so tight that they left deep marks around her wrist. She had, like, literally red, gory bl- bracelets on her arms from those handcuffs. She had stabbing cuts, bite marks, you know, his signature bite marks on the breast. Her agony lasted for hours. Her body was ravaged like a barbaric ravaged it. Barbarian? Um, barbarian. She wanted to scream, but she couldn't because, as always, the victim had... a pieces of tape around her mouth that could not allow her to get sound out of her mouth she was silent and she was being tortured her neck had two literature marks that told the detective she was strangled to death after all this torture on her lower back there was an abrasion which made by a sharp object that would that thought at the time was a knife So, those torture marks eroticize the power and control that the offender has over the victim. To make the the victim realize that he, the offender, is in control of life, and that's the most important part. He is the one that's in control. He controls if you live or die. So, 
oftentimes the offender will prolong their agony, lasting for days in that one case, to kill her in a very slow, deliberate way that she is fully aware, she realizes, maybe it's a spark of insight, but she finally realizes, I'm going to die and this guy is going to do it, and he doesn't kill her until she hits that realization in her mind. That is where he gets his power. That's why there were so many victims to testify against him in court, because a lot of them survived because he didn't care about killing them. He's not a serial murderer. He wants to torture them, and if they die, well, that's just what happens. That's a side effect of what I'm doing, you know? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. He doesn't want them to die. He wants them alive the entire time so he can torture them. He can cut off their breast. He can slice them, gag them, choke them, sodomize them. You know, and if they die, then they die. 25 year old Jean Rayner, which is a prostitute at the Times Square area. Jean. It was only 10 days after he killed Valerie Ann Street. This was May 15th, 1980. Okay, the firefighters called to a hotel. Surprise, surprise, right? They found a mutilated woman. Multiple deep bike marks in her body. She had also been set on fire. Now, so you'll hear Cottingham talk about why he set him on fire. It was... More to erase all the evidence pointing to him. Mm. Now, he left Cottingham. He left the head and the hands of this victim. But she did have that signature bite mark. So, in almost all serial murderer cases, they will go above and beyond killing the person and engage in post-mortem activity that, to them, is sexually gratifying. This type of ritualistic behavior grows out of the suspect's fantasy life so the signature bite mark was in her breast although the killer left the head and her hands on the body cottingham removed both breasts and placed them nicely on the headboard now he was oh no this is this kind of killer jen when they would find the woman's body they would always find her clothes folded very neatly isn't that weird? That's yeah. strange. They'd find her clothes folded very, like, OCD neatly. Like, like army neatly? Army neatly, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. So it's like he had- Even the two prostitutes with no heads, they found their clothes in the bathtub. Folded very neatly. No creases and everything, like, completely like, in line. That's weird. Yeah. Like, I don't even know. I don't even, like, I don't even... I don't even know what to say to that. It's really, it just makes me sad. There's plenty of victims. Do you want me to tell you how he got caught? Yes. All right. Her name was Leslie Ann O'Dell. She was a blonde. Now, I want to point out that all the women that he mutilated, I mean, you saw the Kuwaiti woman. Right. They're all very beautiful. So he didn't have like a type except for them being attractive? Very attractive, young. Dark hair usually? No, no, any, any. This girl is blonde. Right. Mm -hmm. She was a prostitute. She just arrived to the Big Apple. And like I said, during that time, there was no, I mean, there was big business, but it was, there was a cesspool of prostitutes, sex shops, whatever. 
The girl found herself. She just got off the bus. She immediately got picked up by a pimp. And Cottingham found her and almost was like a savior to her. He was like, let's get you out of here away from these pimps. I'm going to drive you to New Jersey, and I'm going to give you enough money to start a new life. So you don't have to be around these Big Apple prostitutes and these pimps, right? So he was a savior. He was like a father figure saver. Now, he picked her up as a prostitute, keep in mind. But in her mind, she already got in a car with him, and she drove with him. And this guy is going to save her life. So they're in the car, and she agreed to have sex with him. For $100. Because that's what she was there for to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. So, $100. they go... Yeah. That ain't a lot. They go well, in New Jersey... When you think about, like, rate per hour, ah, that ain't a lot. Listen, the sun was coming up. They they go to the Quality Inn Motor Hotel. Is that, if, does that sound familiar? Yeah. Because it's the same exact place that he left his last victim, Valerie Ann Smith, stuffed between the mattress. He he brings oh, this God. girl to the exact thought, same hotel a few that, weeks ago that I, she got stuffed uh, under the mattress. Oh, it wasn't between. It was under the bed. Yeah. Not between the mattress. No, under the bed, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I got confused because you said between the Under the bed, yeah. So, all right, let me say that again. So... He takes this girl to the Quality Inn Motel, the Quality Inn Hotel, the same place that the last victim, Valerie Ann Smith, was stuffed underneath the bed mm-hmm. three weeks earlier. Keep in mind. So, I mean, talk about brazen. This guy has been, this guy has been, I mean, he's a narcissist to do that. So he, he secured a room in her name. They go up to the room to do their thing. Immediately, the torture routine starts. But this time, he gets sloppy. She screams so loud that guests hear her screaming. And the attendant, the hotel attendant comes to the door and says, Hey, is everything okay? She knocks on the door. And he's got a knife behind her back. Mm. Say, you better tell her this. And she says, yes, everything's fine. But with her eyes... Her eyes go left and right, left and right. She's like, "Yes, everything's fine," but her eyes—that's you like eyes. Like I mentioned a couple episodes ago, like you can tell a lot from a person's eyes. Yeah, so she was doing her eyes left and right to signal to signal danger to the lady that she was in danger. So immediately the police were called. Stranger danger. She ends up living. She only went through a little bit of the torture routine. The cops arrived. He escapes out the back and was arrested by two cops with his torture bag in hand with all the evidence. And he started denying things from the get-go. He said, that, no, I paid her for BDSM, yada, yada, yada. And he's actually got a case because they can't actually prove any of the other murders. Remember, they don't have fingerprints. They don't have anything. All, all they have is him in jail, and he ain't saying nothing. The only thing that he told police detectives when they were interrogating him is, I have a problem with women. And then he shut up because he lawyered up. Oh. Yeah. That, even that was a lot to say, though. 
Yeah. So he's still in jail. They can't prove anything for him. He may he may go free. The detectives couldn't get him to talk. Yeah. But they didn't need to. Why? Because they went to his house. Oh. And they found... Remember, he had a wife and kids. Oh, yeah. But those wife and kids oh, weren't... yeah. I forgot about that. That was a minor detail. Well, all right. So the wife filed for divorce because he refused to have sex with her for four years. Wow. What? Because... Like, isn't that... I, I don't know, but isn't that usually the opposite complaint? Like... That the woman... No, but think about it. I want to explain it. Yeah, women usually withhold sex because they have the upper. But think about it. Think about it in this guy's case. I mean, I guess. Think about it in this guy's case. He is into serious sexual sadism. Yeah. And BDSM and all this crazy shit that normal people don't have sex with. You're just going to have sex with your wife? I guess that's... And that's going to be okay? No, you want to, like, shove things in her and down her? I'm well, just saying. What didn't she know that though? She didn't know. Think twice before you respond to that. I'm just saying, like he's into some hardcore shit. He's not gonna have sex with his wife. Just oh, missionary, here we go. Yeah, but like no, that's why he refused to have sex with her. <laughs> you literally like were going through the motions that. It was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> this girl, Nadia Fasani. She's actually a badass girl. We're going to have her on podcast. She actually stays in room... 417. 417. <laughs> and then she interviews Richard Cottingham. Well, all serial killers are manipulative and self-centered. So he'll feel flattered by the attention. That you're interested in him, especially since you're a woman. You should play on that. <laughs> the photos of the lacerated bodies haunt the young woman, and there's one question she's dying to ask. Did Cottingham take pleasure in torturing his victims? Testing, testing. Testing, testing. Armed with her research, she again feels prepared to confront the butcher of Times Square. Oh, that's a new name. You like to torture your victims. I enjoyed it. It was a game. It's scary to a girl. Fuck you! To have something like done like that, to be so close to a knife, so to speak, pressed against you. The situations that I was seeking were more of a power trip. The power of holding someone's fate in your hands is a very powerful aphrodisiac. The adrenaline rush is like nothing. I mean, you're you're in complete control of somebody's destiny. How did you actually get to cut off their heads and hands? Very easy. But actually, that was done only to prevent identification. If I could reach this trip. TV screen, I'd call It's a story to make the blood run cold. I don't know. Fuck him. Yeah, fuck you. And pretty fuck a, you too. Pretty good story, though. Think I give a damn about a Grammy? Well, <sighs> have your critics can't even stalk me, let alone stand me. Is that an Eminem? But Slim, what if you win? Wouldn't that be weird? Why? So you could just lie to get me here so you can sit me there next to Britney Spears, Chick Christina Aguilera. They see me with a bag at 3.30 in the morning. They ask what I was doing. I told them I was staying in the hotel and I'm going to get something to eat. Like, you're missing the entire fucking thing. Because you're rapping. I took him out of the hotel. Jesus Christ. I had nerves of steel. When I disposed of the heads, I took them out of the hotel. Two cops pulled me over. They see me with a carry-all bag at 3.30 in the morning. They asked what I was doing. I told them I was staying in the hotel, and I'm going to get something to eat. 
without batting an eye, they would believe me. They never asked what was in the bag or any for any idea or anything like that. And I can make people believe what they wanted to believe. Oh, How did you feel? I feel great. It's hard to describe. It's godlike almost. Oh. It's a psychopath for you, Jen. Yeah. Um, I have a question. 417 was the room that he requested to stay in all the time, or was that was the one that he lit on fire? No, that that is the one where he that's the first ignited one ignited the media because that is the one where he did his most sadistic thing of cutting off the heads and hands of two prostitutes. That's the first one. Something Jack, to, yeah, okay. something Jack the Ripper was what known do even for. Do? So, how many victims do you think you have? Oh, I know exactly how many. Oh, <laughs> Over 85. Wow. Under 100. Oh, my God. I was doing this for years. Oh. Hardly a week yeah. or two went by without something happening. So you're saying you were killing a victim every week? Every couple of weeks, on average. For how many years? I can't tell you that. But... Well over 10. Would you have continued to kill if you hadn't been arrested by the police? Definitely. Definitely. Why don't you want to, you know, help the families of the victims to cope with everything that happened, you know, to let them live in peace? The families don't know. I don't know them. They don't know me. It's not like I knew a particular person or whatever. I mean, I'd have no problem would help in a family if there was a specific family. Richard, would you be able to kill me? Would I be able to kill you? No. Why not? Because I like you. Uh, you're tough. You don't take no crap. I respect you. Uh, you would be the type I would have as a girlfriend. At least on my end. I don't know about you. All right. That is Richard Cottingham for you. Mm. The uh, torso ripper, or the torso killer, the... Butcher of New York. Butcher of New York. And, all right, so he was caught, but his room, his secret room that his wife and kids were forbidden to go into. Now, a lot of serial killers had these rooms. Okay. John Gacy had a crawl space. John Wayne Gacy. Ted Bundy had a room. Right? They, they would not let their wives go down. You better not go down this room. In fact, that guest room in there is now my new room. I'm putting a lock on the door, and we're going to make sure none of you guys go in there. Because that is my room, and if I have victims in there, whatever. All right, so anyway. They go to his house, and the evidence is plentiful. They find the key of Marianne Carr, the, the house key that fits. They find earrings. They find jewelry. They find everything, all his trophies of the people he, the women that he has raped, tortured, and kept alive during his sadistic sex acts where he would cut and bite and shove things down until he finally kills them. He has all their trophies. Now, he was between New York and New Jersey. He is facing four separate trials here. 
And he was very intelligent. The entire time through his court proceeding, he was taking notes. He was all the witnesses that have survived, because there was a lot. There was over five that survived his torturing. His torturer acts were testifying against him. Oh, um, so you started the episode with some necrophiliac tendencies, mm-hmm. but we haven't talked about necrophilia in this episode. Are we missing something? No. All right. So that's a good point. As I said, Richard Cottingham didn't necessarily want to murder. I mean, he didn't care if he murdered or not. But that was but his goal. His goal was to get, I don't know how to say this, to get to get off, right? To get his sexual jollies. Mm-hmm. So if the that's woman, Santa Claus. the woman, he would do that by torturing her for hours and hours and even days. That's how he got his final climax if you will now if the if the victim dies it's almost a tragedy to him but he's not going to stop he's going to try to get his sexual gratification out of the dead body do you do you understand like at that point it's just that's how he talks about it it's just a body now it's not a human it's literally just some flesh and some blood it's not a real human so if a body dies the victim dies Unfortunately for him, and he doesn't get off, if you will, he's going to try to finish, you know, to get his sexual satisfaction with the dead body. So necrophilia does play in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So during the court, now he had up to four trials for all the victims because they're in two different New Jersey and New York, right? Mm-hmm. He tr- He represented... Well, the first one, he had a lawyer that advised him. He was like, listen, you got a bunch of evidence against you, right? Come on. Like, they found your treasure trove. But he still remained strong. And he got life in prison for the first trial. His defense lawyer said, don't testify because the prosecution is going to poke a billion holes in your story. And they did. Right. He th- he went on the stand thinking that he could persuade the jury, persuade the judge, much like he persuaded all those innocent victims to uh, that he was a nice guy. He a narcissist, psychopath like him thought in his mind that he could turn this whole thing around. And in fact, his wife even though she was getting a divorce and his, she, wife? his wife went to bat for him wow. and pleaded on his Oh, he's a great father. He didn't do all this stuff. Well, even he though he did anything with her, so of course that yeah. was actually probably a smart move by him by not including her in his sexual fantasies because because she didn't know him as that. Was she probably shocked by the accusations? Yeah, but like she couldn't she couldn't testify against him because she never experienced anything like that. So he could only have her as an ally. So that's actually pretty brilliant. Here's Even one. though I think that maybe he should have been honest with his wife about what he was into, yes. But it was smart by him to not include her because he could use her as a witness. This is one of the uh, victims that he sexually tortured but survived. He told me to shut up, that I was a whore and I had to be punished. He said the other girls took it and I had to take it too. He said that uncountable times. So, he went through the trial. Obviously, the jury 
found him guilty. It was like three hour deliberation. He went through a few trials. And in fact, one trial, he decided to have a non jury trial and just try to convince the judge. And the judge convicted him. So he's in jail for the rest of his life. No chance of parole because he's serving at least four life sentences. He's not getting out ever. Good. So we don't have to worry about that. But it is very interesting to look inside that a man that has no emotions or sympathy at all towards his victims. At all. Even, I mean, you heard. Mm-hmm. You know? What do you guys think? I think it's good that he is not getting out anytime soon. because Ever. His, ever. Yeah, ever. Ever. Yeah, he will ne- never be out. I'm glad. Because his crimes are heinous. They were disgusting, and they really made me sad. And <laughs> I just, no monster should ever be able to walk free like that again. And it's really sad to think about, but there are people like that that are still walking right now. Mm-hmm. So just stop doing that shit, people. Like, it's not okay. Well, he was a, I mean, from childhood, he admitted to knowing that this would be his path in life. Well, get so, help. You know, yeah. it's really important to take care of your yourself. And some people are afraid to do that, you know, and some people don't want to do that. That's fine, I guess. Like, you got to do you, but I think that taking care of your mental state is so important. Thanks, guys, for listening to Talk Murder to Me. We had a great time drinking with you and sharing this murder. On a Sunday morning. As gruesome as it was. It really wasn't. It mm. was, but it wasn't. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm too buzzed to realize how bad it was. I think we're too buzzed. Yeah, we're too buzzed. Hey, listen, we have a... Well, probably by the time you hear this, we'll have at least a few special episodes that are an hour above. The one that we put on on Patreon is 50 Minutes. is very, very funny. It's very good. It's not really as gruesome as this, but it's a great story. We're charging a dollar a month. That's just to support us. Our server cost and our podcasting costs are well over a hundred bucks plus the booze. So this is just to, it's a dollar a month. Join our, help support us. Join our Patreon. Plus it's like a social media account. I'm on there. Jen's on there. Nicole's on there. We'll talk to you. We can talk to you guys straight up. You guys can ask us questions. We'll, we'll answer like we'll, we'll have, we'll build a community here. So join us on Patreon. That is how we want to continue this podcast. We don't want to sell you bullshit that we don't believe in. We want, to build a community and give you content that you, you cannot want. get anywhere else because we do Ooh. a lot of research on this. So we love you guys so much. Join our Patreon page, patreon.com slash talk murder. Love and we'll you guys. S- we'll see you at the next episode. Talk murder to me. Thanks. Love you. Bye. Good night. Your tongue is blue. <laughs> <laughs> is yeah. my tongue blue? Yeah. Which is Chin? What is that? A mustache? Is that a beard? Yeah, you're talking about this. Can we? Can you take a picture of that? No, I want people to see. As I approach the hotel, so this is from Sons of Cain by Peter Vronsky. Jen, please pay attention. I'm listening. I have my listening face on. As I approach that, Jen, do not do your raccoon eyes too early. They're binoculars Jen, and they're my memory glasses. Jen, please. They're still your memory glasses. <laughs> Jen, what is that? A unicorn a monocle? It's a monocle, yeah. Should I make another drink? Or should I move to beer? 5% tint right here.
was like i can't believe those girls get so drunk i'm like yeah they get so wasted yeah and i'm like did she really say that yeah i'm like mom i like this is my future daughter-in-law i'm like mom i like mom i like drink a little bit but that's all i do and they get fucking trashed she probably thinks that i'm like an alcoholic random that moved in yeah (laughs) oh my god is that really what she yeah she does i'm not putting that bullshit in my bullshit why are you mad what at me? Jen, it's a lifestyle, Jen. Jen, what year? 1987. Stop it! What am I, bird flu? Yes! Catch me, you die. Hey, guys, it's Jen. I just wanted to say, careful with this shit. Fuck! Jen, I'm not even going to put this in there. You might as well quit. I like the surprises. All right, I'll put it in, but I'll put it after the episode, at the end. <laughs> Like in the bloopers <laughs> after they didn't listen to it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. so he did all that. Jen, what is wrong? I'm tired. Jen. It's fucking noon, Jen. I'm listening. I'm, I have this. Jen, if you, we get through this, we can go get something good to eat. Whatever you I'm want. I'm listening. He, what do you want to eat, Jen? I don't know. Fried chicken. At General Motors, we make more than electric vehicles. We're helping to make the world a safer, more inclusive place for all. As the first automaker to support the Equality Act, General Motors celebrates and embraces diversity every day, especially during Pride Month, which is why we're proud to team up with iHeartRadio to support Can't Cancel Pride and the LGBTQ community. Because everybody in means everybody. Learn more at GM.com. At Huntington, we've been asking ourselves, can we make saving money any easier? And we think we've solved it. Introducing Money Scout. It analyzes your spending habits, income, and expenses to find money not being used in your checking account, then pushes it to savings automatically. Why would a bank do that? Just to help people thrive. That's how we reinvent banking. Huntington, welcome. Subject to eligibility, terms, conditions, and account agreements. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com slash Money Scout. 